Hello and welcome to the Football Hipsters podcast. My name is Chris and I am your host and I'm delighted to say we're back again to uh, get together with our football loving chums because I don't know if you've heard this dear listener but there is a competition on the way called the Euros. It used to be called Euro 2020 but then the world kind of kind of stopped didn't it? It kind of went a bit wonky. So welcome Euro 2021 slash it was 2020 depending on your merchandise insert random quotation here so this is what we're going to be doing for the next what is it four to five weeks i think of tournaments uh, we're going to kind of just cover as many of the games as we can in large blocks so the plan moving forwards is we're going to do a preview show tonight uh, having a look at the groups and a couple of the stand-up teams stand-up players etc little light conversation for your ears and then moving forwards, we're we're aiming to record after every set of games. So what that basically means for you guys and girls listening is after all the game, all the first team, all the teams have played one game, basically, we will bring you a podcast and after the second and third, etc. and so on. And then into the final stages, all being well. Of course, we're all working folk. So um, times and appearances and members may be subject to change. But without further ado, I should introduce my panel because, after all, they are the talent. I am just the monkey grinding the organ. Uh, first of all, good evening to the man on cam. It's Mr. Josh Dore. How you doing, Josh? Hey, Chris. I think it's been a while since I've been on a hipsters as well. So yeah, it it's not just because I was the only one that knows how to press the buttons. I think it's definitely not that. No, because um, if if I'd have wanted just a button monkey, we all know who we go to for that. So uh, that's true. And he's probably still in bed right now. But uh, no, I'm very much here for you to uh, to fight the uh, the good cross of St. George, as I'm sure you will do. Uh, you Absolutely. And, you and, I, you I can't wait. Uh, I am already depressed about, <laughs> about this England side. Oh, God, if England win this tournament, I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> anyway... Uh, it's a very uh, you've gone very continental with the uh, with the beard there. I uh, dare I say it's almost a little German. Um, uh, I'm not sure what my forefathers will think about that, but yeah, mm. we can. Uh, yeah, it's it's going it's going some way. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It definitely needs a trim. We'll put that in there, but it's a whole new background for ABWers uh, to to look through and some of the hybrid things sneaking in there and. If anybody gets the team of the uh, the canvas that I've got on the back, oof, I know who it is. Then you'll be all right. Maybe we'll talk about it post-show. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. So yes, we will cover that uh, off camera. Um, right. We've also got two, two cameraless fiends this evening, um, mainly because they've got uh, bits and bobs going on. So uh, let's go. Let's go ladies first. Lana, how are you doing? I am great. Uh we can shortly explain why I'm without a camera. I had an accident with a clothing rack, so I have a giant bruise in my face. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the clumsy me is back. So yeah, um, you wouldn't believe yeah. it if I spoke about it. So, But I am actually really excited because, you know, unlike Josh, I actually have a great team. Yeah, well, I mean, we both we both follow that great team, but more on that later because I'm slightly concerned at just how much they're being bigged up, but I guess we'll come to that. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure both you and I will be following the exact same two clubs in this particular Euro, so we will get into that. Um, but batting for England alongside Josh, we, we couldn't have it as a, a, a French foe pod all to ourselves, just me and Lana, so we, we had to bring in some balance. So uh, good evening to Tom, who is uh, backing Josh in the England corner. Uh, Tom, how are you doing? 
Yeah, good thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. I'm a bit heartbroken because I saw a, an article, I think, on uh, Gareth's not wearing his uh, his beloved waistcoat for this tournament by the sounds of it. So I don't know <laughs> if we'll go all the way this time. But What is that about? He's gone very Tony Soprano, hasn't he, with this suit? Well, I don't really know what he's going for there. It's, it's a bit... I thought it was the uh, Zara pyjamas. Was the, oh. uh, the shirt from the uh, first, first uh, friendly was very interesting, to say the mm. least. Definitely mm. a set of pajamas. Um, so maybe he's not packing too uh, too heavily and then expecting a long stay. Maybe he's just trying to distract people from the inevitably bad football that we might be playing at the tournament. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 14 right backs. Yeah. yeah I, do you know what I would love to see? Like, just I know we had Nagelsmann in, uh, in the Champions League Leipzig with that very interesting suit that even I would, would be quite uh, happy to wear personally with my awful fashion sense but um i'd love to see like a manager in just uh do you remember the like the hawaiian shirts of the 90s mm. you know or like one of those shirts with flames up it you know that all the all the kind of um new metal kids used to wear i'd love that you know or just or just the guy on the sidelines like a pair of like jorts with with high tops you know just just casually casually I mean, surfer duding it you know I, i'm not sure which uh proportion of our uh, listeners i want to offend first with uh which competition <laughs> i might say are most likely to see those things in <laughs> well um, i mean go for maybe, gold really maybe i'll just say uh yogi loves you know his last uh last tournament uh maybe yeah. he's gonna go all out and uh <laughs> set a lederhosen on the uh sideline um with a little flap just for him to do his scratch and sniff yeah scratch and sniff yeah. Uh, okay yeah uh, that's an interesting one uh god bless him uh anyway right let's get into it then so um first things first uh i'm gonna go to you josh first of all because we had a little chat pre-pod about the about the sort of the group standings and how it all works so um for anyone including me who may be just a little bit out of the loop in terms of uh what teams are in what groups and how the qualification process goes would you like to just read down groups eight f teams involved and who or what can qualify from those for us yeah, so we'll kind of start. There is, uh, I've, I've counted them this time, so I'm not going to say as F number of, uh, of groups that I did pre-pod. There are six of them in total. Uh, top two from each one makes it through to the round of 16, plus the uh, fourth or four of the best third place teams. So basically, finishing the top two, or if you finish third, don't be so shit that basically you end up with one or two points and you'll probably go through win a game basically and you're into the round of 16 um and then from there order from that point um but in terms of where it moves from there we have got uh group a which is turkey italy wales and switzerland um i think Italy have got the home advantage in that one. And I would say Turkey don't. I think Turkey, no, Turkey don't have home advantage for that one. Just the other thing to add is that some teams, because this is a pan-European Euros, some teams are are playing in their own uh, stadia across the tournament. Um, If you're a certain team that is... um, you know, got a white background and a, and a red cross on there, you can more or less play at your home stadium all the way to the final. Um, no we'll get on to that one. No pressure to Denmark. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
Dak Roos has nicely onto Group B, which is Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Uh, Russia, I think, have got home advantage in that one as well. And Denmark, I think, have yeah. also got home advantage. That group is one to look out for as well because um, Denmark and Russia have home advantage. Denmark play every single one of their games at home. So when you look at when you look at Belgium, who don't have that opportunity, they've basically got two away games and a neutral ground venue um, mm. when they play Finland. So it could be difficult for them. Uh, Group C, Austria, North Macedonia, the Netherlands, and uh, I would say one of the hipsters' choices, the Ukraine, because mm. I believe they are taking the youngest squad to this Euros. Plenty of teens in there for some people to have a look at. Um, Finally, group. Well, moving on to the other side, of the draw. Group D is the mighty England, uh, Croatia, the mighty Scots, and the Czech Republic. Uh, England and Scotland have got the home advantage in that one. Uh, big game for England, Scotland. I'm sure we'll talk about that one uh, later. Group E is Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Uh, I'm sure. Lana could jump in straight away and tell me if Sweden was having any games there. I know Spain are holding it in Sevilla after moving from Bilbao. And finally, Group F is Hungary, who are very annoyed because when I read the rest of these teams, they're thinking, well, what's the point? Just packing up bag, boys. Uh, Portugal, so European champions. France, world champions. And some other nation called Germany um, also in that. Group. So yeah, there you go, Chris. That is a, a roundup of everybody we will be seeing at this tournament. Fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me, that particular last group, was it something like nine major European world honours between the three major clubs and well between all the clubs? Because of course Hungary used to be a major mm. nation back in the day. So Yeah, yeah and France just a new nation, but they formed in nineteen ninety eight, France. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do your history or, or get out um, right, we won't go into how long, how long it's been since England won anything we'll just move swiftly on right. one. was it 97 right, yeah, yeah semi-final doesn't, doesn't count as winning anything by the way our Spurs fans right let's um, let's get into these these kind of groups then so uh, as I say tonight's show is, is kind of going to be really just looking at we're just going to kind of run through the groups rather than the individual matches as such, but we will just pick up on a few bits and bobs. So, um, Lana, I'll start with you. Uh, group A, so Italy, Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. Uh, who, is you sort of, who do you fancy to pick out of this group? Because the opening game is is on Friday. We're recording this on the Tuesday before. So three days' time, it sees Italy face Turkey. There's a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Turkey. I didn't even plan that. There's a lot of Turkey talk. Um but there's also a lot of people saying that Italy might be dark horses, you being a, a Juve follower. Um, what, what's your sort of thoughts on, on Italy and Turkey being the favourites? And are we doing a disservice to Wales and Switzerland based on Switzerland are very kind of organised and structured and Wales, they proved in the last year, is you just never know what you're going to get with them? Uh, I, this is a, I, I feel like this is a very open group. Just given the fact that the aging squad of Italy, I don't like Turkey, but I actually feel like Switzerland and Wales, not that I'm very familiar with Wales with the exception of Ramsey and Bale, I feel like Switzerland really deserves more credit just in terms of the qualifying round they had. And they actually have very good players. 
Uh, doesn't Xhaka play for Switzerland? I was going to say they've got very good players and Granit Xhaka. Yeah. So that's, uh... yeah. My, I know you guys aren't big fans of him. I like him just for the fact that he told you all to, you know, F off. But I feel like, um, you know, I think that Switzerland might actually do really well. Uh, Italy, obviously, are favourites, uh, you know, just because it's Italy. And they can, you know, go through on their classic 1-0 uh, wins. Uh, but as I said, it's a very open game. It's in, it's. Well, that has gone very quiet there. What have you done, Josh? What have what have you what have you done? I've done nothing. I've done. <laughs> have you nothing. intercepted her? Yeah, okay. no, it was that, that Granite Xhaka comment, and that was it. That was it. I was kind of <laughs> off. No, <laughs> um, gone. I was going to say, I was going to pick this up on Italy as well in Lana's um, quietness as well. I think this is a really exciting Italy team that mm. they're taking out with them. It's really interesting squad, um, especially with Verratti doesn't look like he necessarily gets in straight away. Um, yeah. You know, Locatelli, who is the darling, I think, of... Uh, Transfer rumours, should we say, um, flying around. And it's almost going to be a tale, I think, of which team's actually got a striker. And Bellotti, I think, again, outside of Serie A, people might not have heard of him. He's a very interesting uh, striker to look at. Um, and I think as well, if we can get uh, Nico Barea firing, uh, you'll know as an Inter fan, just how mu- how talented that boy is and... I think this could be potentially Italy coming out of that kind of assumption that they are the the one nil to Italy. Um, yeah. That being said, I could also see them completely screwing up the group and uh, and ending up finishing second or third. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a couple of players in there. I was looking at the squad earlier on. Dominica Berardi of Sassuolo's had a really good season as well. Um, the and uh, Federico Chiesa's had a, like a breakthrough season at, at Juventus, which um, Lana may be able to mention when she comes back in. Um, the other one to probably just keep an eye on is is Giancomo Raspadori, who I believe is also Sassuolo. Um, he's the young lad who nobody really knows too much about. I think there's a little bit of. I think he's. Uh, I think he's 18. Is he 18? I think I want to say he's eight, or maybe, or is he 21? 21. No, he's 21. 21. Yeah. So he he may be one to uh, to keep a lookout for because he's probably the the, the Theo Walcott of uh, of Italy's team that nobody quite knows what to expect, if anything. Um, you know, it could be everything. It could be nothing. We just never know. Um, Lana, you're back with us. Yeah, I think Josh jinxed me or something because it just like I couldn't hear anything yeah. or. That's just really pulled rude. the plug when you mentioned Shaka. So uh, <laughs> we, we were just saying about the Italy squad and we were talking about um, Berardi and Chiesa's form. Chiesa, oh, probably the one I've Sorry, go on. I love him so much. Honestly, <laughs> he should have been our player of the season. I do not understand why Cristiano Ronaldo continues to get that prize because, you know, he was dog shit. I hope because no Ronaldo. Yeah, I hope <laughs> no UBA fans are listening. Yeah, but uh, that Italy squad, I cannot believe that Bernadeschi gets to, you know, get a spot. But I, I'm more surprised that he didn't bring Mosakin with him. Mm. Just because he had a really good season at PSG. I feel like, like, I watched most of their games. He had a really good season, better than Icardi, if you're supposed to compare the two impact subs. 
Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, they have goal scoring midfielders, so I wouldn't be worried so much about that. I think it's probably more the defense because it's so aging. And yeah, like so, 50, 50 odd between them, I think they are. It's, it's the experience, but if you if you've got any brains about you when you're playing Italy, you play a pacey striker, don't you? That's that's going to be the uh, the slight concern with those two. Um, but the experience is there, so you know if it goes down to a bit of um, the dark arts, you back them to um, to to progress. I would guess from that group. Um, Tom, I want to ask you. I, I don't know whether you've had too much to sort of look into this group as well, but. Being, a, being an England fan, what's your sort of views on, on the Welsh and, and also that Turkey side? Because, as I said at the off, there is this sort of um, quiet optimism, I think, amongst uh, amongst the, the Super League fans and, and Turkish football followers that they might just have a, a dark horse slot. They've got the, the old manager back in town. I think I think he's managed previously. And they've got that squad that just looks exciting. A couple of Lille players there, like Yazici, Borek Yilmaz has been brilliant. Jackie Celik is, is in there. Do you do you fancy Wales or, or Turkey to upset the apple cart and maybe get through in this group ahead of Italy? I wouldn't say ahead of them. No, I think um I think the squad that Italy has, I think it's it's a good mixture. There's obviously there's one extreme to the other. You've got very experienced players like Benucci and Chiellini. I think they've got over two hundred appearances between them. Um and I think when it comes to these kind of these tournament settings, your experience can sometimes it can be so fundamental in those big moments in big games. Um I don't think they'll beat Italy to that top spot, but I think Lana mentioned, I think the, the remaining three in that group, I could kind of see it swinging either way, to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing one of those groups where it kind of gets locked out for the remaining spots and maybe a goal difference is the difference um, between them because there are a couple of good players, like as you mentioned in that Turkish squad, I believe, is it um, is it Under as well? A name that springs to mind. Um from the, I haven't seen huge amounts of him, but from what I hear, he's a very talented player. And you've got to be careful when you start to underestimate these teams that you might think, oh, well, we've got a three points here. As a as an England fan, you'll realise you, you come up against a team, you think, oh, this will be easy. And then next thing you know, it's nil-nil. And you're like, oh, hang on a minute. We need to start getting three points out of this because these group games can be over so quickly. And the next thing yeah. you know, you're, you're scrapping just to even try and get through to the next stage. So I think yeah. Wales, I don't know if, I think Turkey, I'd put ahead of them, maybe ever so slightly. I just think the yeah. talent that they've got in that Turkish side, it can be a bit, it can be hit and miss. But I think if they turn up, I think they can give anyone a good game um, if yeah. they perform well. Um, I think the the Welsh squad, I think their their quality players, I think are starting to age a little bit more now. I think the the players coming through, like um, I suppose you could mention maybe Dan James. Um, but then on the flip side, you've got like Gareth Bale, Ramsey. They're still they're not over over the hill just yet, but they're starting to get towards the later stages of their career. And I think the the lack of like that that standout quality, I think they might struggle um, unless I say if, if Bale comes out firing, maybe or luckily uh, if he has a free kick against a very terrible goalie like he did in the uh, the last <laughs> Euros. Um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be a really good group to see. I think that one might get overlooked by a lot of people just looking at the the teams and the names. Everyone will obviously be looking towards that that group of death, but. I think that one will be quite an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, yeah, a couple of other aging players in that world squad, like Ben Davies, the, I think the goalkeepers Hennessy and Ward are getting on a bit, and um, Joe Allen is still anchoring their midfield. And 
some some sort of debate as whether he's going to be fit. I think the one to the name that everyone's keeping an eye on is Ruben Colwell, this un, uncapped prior to the tournament. I think he's eighteen year old Cardiff player who people think um, potentially is going to going to be a very big future star. So uh, that is a Group A. Um, Josh, I'll start with you in Group B. This one's this one's got a bit of a look of a dark horse group, hasn't it? Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. Naturally, I think the the eyes turn towards Belgium, kind of acing this group with the you know the likes of uh, De Bruyne and and Lukaku of his best season in in his, his club career. Um, the, the aging defence might be a concern later on in the tournament, but you feel like they'll probably be have or have enough to to fire their way through in terms of top spot. But Denmark, Finland, Russia, it's a, it's a bit of a coin toss, isn't it? Yeah, I think as I alluded to in, when we were running through the groups, I think the home advantage, whilst we don't know how big that's going to be for certain teams, um, the fact that Belgium have basically got to play fundamentally two away games, plus then just the neutral game uh, against uh, uh, sorry, Finland, which I think they'll probably get past Finland. I don't think that's a particularly strong squad, but uh, yeah, it's... It's one that I think Belgium could kind of scrape through on this one or they'll fly through and we'll go, I don't know what everybody was talking about, you know, that there's no problems here at all. There are a couple of uh, names in that squad that I think uh, the Belgian squad, I don't think De Bruyne is fit for that first game, but there's some big names around there that I think will be interesting. And also this is most likely Martinez's last tournament. Yeah. Um, at the helm i'm imagining there's a job in north london with his name on it um when he becomes available uh but when you get to denmark i think this is i think it's one of the things that i like about uh international football is there's not always necessarily standout teams there there's always six or seven dark horses when you look at a league campaign you're normally talking about what two or three teams that are probably in some cases maybe even just one team that's probably going to take the title two others that will ride the coattails for them for a bit and then eventually drop off in this you've got teams like Denmark and you're like you know what they could do something they have got you know Anders Christian uh, Kasper Schmeichel in goal um, Anderson who I think Lana knows from Leon, and obviously had a great season at Fulham came back mm. in the defence is yeah the defence is completely you say is rock solid, plus Thomas Delaney in the midfield as well. Simon Kier has been brilliant for AC Milan this year as well. Yeah. He's been really good. And and Daniel Vass at Valencia has mm-hmm. been really, really good for a while. So yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So I said there's someone there's something in here. I think a lot of these teams are all about if they can score, you kind of you'd say that they, in theory they should be able to, you know, shut up shop can add more names to it as well in terms of Hoiberg and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Yusuf Paulson particularly mm. to uh, to be getting the goals for them because I think uh, him and Ericsson could create a great partnership that gets them through um, maybe even upsetting a couple and getting booking a place in quarterfinals um, yeah they drew against Germany the other week, and they have they like did. yeah. They, I think they have like twenty-two goals scored in the last five. Mm. I think they like scored eight against some team. Uh, beat Austria like huge numbers mm. as well, and Bosnia mm. the other day. So they're collectively a really good team, and their mm. under twenty-one is amazing as well. Mm. Uh, so weird. they were in. 
It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because you like Casper Dolberg ha- hasn't had a great season for Nice. Martin Braithwaite has, has barely played for Barcelona. Andreas Cornelius had that pretty poor time of it when he came. I think he played for Cardiff, wasn't it? As well, it he was Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, and, and and even Paulson hasn't exactly torn it up in Bundesliga this year. I think he was very good last year. He hasn't played as many times for Leipzig this year. So yeah, it, it does sort of give a look of that where the goal's coming from. But then, as you said there. Their pre-tournament um, stats speak otherwise. Um, you say they're uh, all strikers. So, so they're all strikers that you'd kind of back to be quite streaky, and it's just a case mm. of the manager identifying which one is going to score five goals in three games. Because you could Spent any of those strikers, you yeah, you're going to say they'll score five goals. You know, they'll get the goals quickly, and then they'll just completely go off the boil. And it's just making sure that he picks the right one uh, yeah. at that moment and gets them through it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. No problem at all. Um, I want to ask you before we move on to the next group, uh, Lana, I just want to Finland and, and Russia. Uh, is it a straight shootout between them two for third place? I mean, I, I think if you look at that Belgium squad, that there's just too much talent, even with a, a questionable manager, I think it would be fair to say. There's, there's too much talent in that side to not go through. And I feel like Denmark will probably be the ones that will come through in, in second or maybe pit Belgium, depending on how it goes. But Finland and Russia, I mean, is there anything you see in either of those squads that makes you think they might cause a bit of an upset? Like, could Finland be the new Iceland, for example? I mean, fun fact, this is Finland's first uh, uh, male tournament. So this is the yeah. first time during a Euro or a World Cup. So that's like, I think it's amazing. They had a really good qualifier. It's nice to see more Scandinavian countries as well in it. But I feel like Russia could be a potentially really dark horse if we go back to the World Cup, how far they got. Fine, it was on home soil, but I wouldn't underestimate them. I haven't had a chance to look at their squad, so I don't know if it's a young, old, in the middle, but... It's mixed, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Yeah. they tend to show up. That's the thing, like, as Josh said, you can't really pick out clear favorites because it's anyone's games uh especially when it comes to you know big tournaments so uh they could finland could be the new iceland uh but then again i wouldn't i wouldn't discount russia either they might just go on to upset and win the group we don't know yeah yeah very true and and as much as i promised myself i wouldn't make this joke i'm going to um i'm sure with uh artem juba with his hands-on approach, I'm sure Russia will be fine. If you haven't seen the video, for God's sake, don't Google it at work. That's all I'm going to say. Um, let's move hastily onwards to Group C, uh, where I'll start with you, Tom, on this one. We've got uh, Austria, the Netherlands, or Holland, if you prefer. The Netherlands is the correct term, but, uh, you know, whatever you fancy. North Macedonia, uh, with the fantastic flag, and Ukraine. Uh, who Josh mentioned, I just always assume when you think Ukraine, I just assume Shevchenko and Rebrov up front and some 50-year-olds at the back. You just assume they're an old kind of shithouse of a team and they've got nothing else. But apparently, as Josh quite rightly said, they've got a a youthful squad. Um, Who are you looking at in this group? I mean, I guess Netherlands stand out because it's the Netherlands, but they are managed by a man who... I. I don't really know what Frank De Boer is. Um, I just don't get it. He was fired from Atlanta. He was fired from Crystal Palace. He's not had a particularly good managerial career. And he's trying to force this three at the back thing on the Dutch, which just doesn't seem to work. On paper, their squad is fantastic, though. 
do you think the squad alone carries Netherlands through this group, despite the manager? And, and which of those other three, do you, if, if if any of them, do you think stand out in that in that particular group to challenge them? Uh, I think I think with Netherlands, I've got a feeling this tournament could either go very well for them, or on the flip side, absolutely terribly for them. Um, <laughs> I think that first game, we'll probably see what kind of Netherlands we're going to get. In previous tournaments, we've had somewhere. They've been absolutely outstanding and others where they've underperformed incredibly. Um, they do have some real quality players in that team. Um, so the likes of like Memphis Depay, um, Matthias De Litt as well, if he shows up on his day, he can be a really, really good player for them. Um, still very young as well. They've got that kind of that mixture of experience um, along with some, some younger players that are, are starting to come through. Um, but I think... Yeah, it's going to be, I think that first game again, I think that's the one where I think we'll be able to see whether they're going to start to push through and potentially go to the later stages or whether it's just going to go tits up for them really quickly. Um, and it could be one of those more embarrassing ones. I think the teams they've got in the group, um, it's set up for them to have a good go at it and come and show everyone kind of the talented players that they do have in the squad. I think apart from, I'd say maybe Ukraine as a potential, I'd say I don't know too many players off the top of my head. I know Zinchenko, obviously he's a decent player. Um, they've got a couple of kind of standard household names in there, but they're starting to age a little bit as well. But apart from that, you, you've got to stick your finger on them to really take that group, I think, with the with the other teams in there. But then again, in a, in a tournament, um, it, it comes down to such small moments. If, if a team, like you guys mentioned with Denmark, they're, they're such a good team at, at moments, especially in, in tournaments, that sometimes that can be the, the difference maker. You can have teams with real quality players, but if they don't mesh and they don't act as a unit in a, in a knockout tournament, when it can come down to one moment in one game or just being consistent throughout the group, um, it, can, it can start to go downhill no matter how good quality players you've got in that group. So I think, yeah, my, my head's saying the Netherlands, will, they'll take that one um, comfortably, but I don't, I don't want to jinx it. And then they, they go away with maybe like one point for the group. So... Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll let this this fact sink in that uh, Daily Blind is still a Dutch international, uh, and Tim Krull, of course, is on the uh, the squad list. So if the Dutch get through and there's a penalty shootout, yeah, he's playing we'll goal. See, yeah, we'll see a repeat of the Mexico game in the World Cup. The the one player that I'm kind of excited about, if he, I don't know if he'll get into any games, but uh, Ryan Gravenberch at Ajax looks just a monster. I think he's. Um, He's got everything. If if he if he, if the career goes in the path that it looks like it's going to go, uh, he he's built like a essentially like Patrick Vieira was in his youth. He's got everything about his game. And same with Frankie De Jong, who's had a really good season at Barcelona. And I think Depay and, and Daniel Marlon are going to carry the, the goal threat. They usually um, um, sorry, because they usually have players in these tournaments. I think you mentioned uh, De Jong. I think he had mm. was it the World Cup? He had a really good a really good tournament and that's almost yeah. where he put himself on the map and they always seem to have every year maybe that one maybe two players who are incredibly young they come into the team and then all of a sudden you see in, in the transfer window they're being linked with the likes of Madrid, Barcelona all these massive household yeah. names just where they, they have an incredible tournament at, at such a young age Yeah, yeah it's true that isn't it? Quincy promises on that list as well. I, I, I presume nothing has come of this case about him potentially having some legal issues, shall we say? Uh, I don't know what the outcome of that was, but um, he's an interesting name on that on that list. You wanted to mention something there, Josh? Yeah, it reads as a squad that could be let down by the manager, basically, mm, because that thoughts. that is an ex- that is a very exciting group of players that could be uh, could be put. Um, you know, together, I think Van der Beek uh, just picked up an injury and fell out of that squad. 
Um, Stefan Bergwijn, I'm assuming, is also injured. Uh, that or he's not Dutch, that I thought he was. <laughs> no, um, no, he is. He is, no, he is Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, there's a couple of players missing out from that regard. But as you say, like you could build the most exciting team out of that and attacking, um, you know, expansive, like you'd imagine the Dutch uh, teams of old to be like. But again it could be the manager puts it together and just creates a drab team and mm. uh, yeah i think it's going to be an interesting one to to look at uh, fundamentally and yeah i think that's the one to potentially be held back by their manager yeah agreed agreed and and um seems i've just got you for a second before we do move on uh so andrei shevchenko is the coach of ukraine uh that blows my mm-hmm. mind in in a good way uh <laughs> looking at their squad um there's a lot of names I've, i hold my hands up and say some i've heard of but don't know a lot about the ones that stand out are uh ukraine um naturalized marlos who of course was born in brazil uh mm-hmm. Donetsk, he's uh, on his day at a match winner andrei yarmolenko of course west ham fans may just mm-hmm. about remember mentions Zinchenko. The one that stands out for me is um, Ruslan Malinovsky, who I believe is uh, Atalanta. Um, he's had a very good season. He's he's probably the, the string puller in that midfield. Is there any hipster names that you happen to have uh, researched any into into them at all? Or is it just your gut feeling they might be a bit, a bit of a surprise? So they've got uh, Mikhalenko, which I think uh, yeah, it's a, a Dynamo Kiev is one to to look out for. I believe Arsenal fans we were linked to Mikola Matvinenko, who oh, was centre back, uh, yeah. centre back at Shakhtar. Uh, I think in general, it's it's somewhere in the back of my brain that the under twenty ones team from Ukraine is very very good, mm. and there's a lot of players that have just kind of come through in here. Um, and got their calls up so it's one to have a look at um for sure it's it's hipstery mainly because i don't know many people outside of ukraine that follow ukrainian football um so yeah i think that's one of the big things to have a look at uh really it's it's just some of these players some names that you won't have seen um won't have heard of um and yeah for me those are a couple that i would have a look at for sure Yeah, agreed. And uh, we're not going to go too deep into um, Macedonia or Austria, um, basically because we, we're sort of pushed for time. But I will just mention Goran Pandev, uh, at the grand old age of 76 now, is still leading the line for Macedonia. So that the things you love to see, you know. Yeah. Um, he, his hairline disappeared quicker than mine, which is saying something. <laughs> but uh, God bless him. He is still cracking on hard and, and fast. So... Um, Lana, I'm going to give you the start to this group because I have a feeling we're going to lean on Tom and Josh quite heavily. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to just come in on this one first of all. Group D sees uh, Croatia, Czech Republic and uh, England and Scotland, um, which I I don't know quite how to call this group because putting my kind of bias of of, of not being the biggest uh, English national fan out there, I think it's fair to say, they, they, how their favourites for the tournament does kind of blow my mind a little bit, or one of the favourites. They are, but yeah. Well, according to some bookmakers, they are one of the one of the favourites. Which I, let I me speak can't... to them. Well, I just want a word yeah. alone. It does, it does seem odd, doesn't it? But <laughs> do you think we're we're kind of looking overlooking Croatia and Czech Republic a bit too soon? I mean, Croatia have got an ageing squad, but there's a lot of talent still in there. And Czech Republic, they're just one of those sides, aren't they? That you know, they could be Pavorsky in Euro 96 or they could be, 
you know, gone within the first two games and be absolutely horrendous and just sit behind the ball for 90 minutes. Are we overlooking those two? And, and, and are Scotland a, a genuine threat to this group as well? I mean, we seem to forget that Croatia are World Cup finalists. Like, they went yeah. to a World Cup final. Just like, I know the World Cup was a long time ago, but we're still, you know, world champions. Let's not forget that. Uh, they, you know, fine, it's an aging squad, but they still have some players that have had a really good season. I mean, Ante Rebic had a great season for Milan. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, put it past them. Pedisic as well, he's had a good season. They have some really good players in their squad. Fine, they're aging, but as I men- mentioned with Denmark, they're still so good collectively. They really put in the work, uh, which I just don't feel... I mean, I just don't get the hype with England. No, really, genuinely, no offense. If I were to compare other squads, I just don't get it. Because I it, I just haven't seen them collectively play well together. I mean, that's been the issue for so many years, just given the fact that you couldn't play Gerard and Lampard together for some idiotic reason. Um, and it just... I just feel like whenever, whichever group England would be in, they would be labeled favorites and everyone else would be like, oh, really? We're forgetting Croatia is actually still a really decent mm-hmm. side and Czech Republic could cause an upset because no one believes in them. So mm-hmm. they don't have any pressure on them to succeed, which actually could be in their main advantage. I mean... I don't know much about Scotland, uh, to be honest. Uh, I didn't even know they were in, in the Euros. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll lean on Tom and Josh for, for Scotland. Don't worry. But, yeah, yeah, I think you make a good point, Croatia. And a couple of players that are a bit under the radar that people will want to keep an eye on is, <clears throat> excuse me, Miroslav Orsic, who's uh, the, the, the guy who essentially uh, had a one-man wrecking show against Tottenham in the Europa League. I'm trying really hard not to chuckle. Um, but he's, um, yeah, he's very much a player who's who's going to be on the move sooner rather than later from, from Dynamo Zagreb. And um, one that maybe goes under the radar, but Andre Kramaric has had a brilliant season for Hoffenheim. Um, one of these standout strikers in Germany this year, and you know, he's one of those strikers that, given a chance, you'll put it away. So there's enough talent in that squad, and Luka Modric is getting up there in years, but still runs Real Madrid's midfield. Um, Dujan Gelatasar has had a really good season at, at Marseille, despite their struggles. Um, I'm amazed that Dejan Lovren, the, world, the self-professed <laughs> best defender in the world, is still going strong, as is Domagoj Vida. Uh, and his uh, sort of goth-type looks is still going strong. But yeah, there's enough talent in that squad. Um, so uh, let's pick on Tom first of all then. Um, Tom, give us give us the, uh, a case for, for why England have one of the favourites for this tournament tag. I mean, what do you... What do you think, Talana's sort of thoughts? In that, there's a lot of clearly very talented England internationals. Uh, I guess the question to you I've got is: Do you trust Southgate to put those talented individuals into the starting lineup? Um, and secondly, how do you get a team to win a Euros with 14 right backs? <laughs> yeah, we'll be very strong down that right hand side, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I think uh, with England, it always seems the fact when you see the team lineup, and it's almost like on FIFA, you look at the team, and on paper, you think like man for man it's a really good squad but then it's completely different when you need to pull the players together and get them to perform as a team I think the, the we do have a quite a fortunate amount of talent going forwards my concern for the team is usually well for this this 
particular tournament is going to be the opposite. I think normally we've we've struggled to have that creative side to the team, but this time I think it's going to be the defensive side that is, has got me worried. Obviously, Gareth seems to be very set on this five at the back formation um, to to protect Mr T Rex arms and goals and the and the, the kind of the the dodgy defence that we can sometimes have. I think we're. I, I, every year I, I tell myself not to get excited. I look at the team sheet, I get excited and then I see our first game and then it instantly hits the floor again. And I think, especially with teams like Croatia, that we saw it last time, they, they have a habit, they can dominate the games. And I think England struggle to really keep possession against teams that have even the slightest bit of ability in midfield. Um, and I really do think that if, if Bellingham somehow gets into that team... I think he could possibly be the shining light of it, to be honest, because I really don't want to see a situation where we get such a static and rigid centre to England to the point where we're just punting the ball over the top to Rashford and then hoping that we get some sort of set-piece goal. I know the whole uh, the love train from the, uh, from the <laughs> tournament before became a thing, but I think it hid the fact that we weren't as creative as we could have been. I think there's a lot of names in that team where if... If they get given a license to to be creative, and I think if if they play with the confidence that they they should be, which I think is always flawed in England teams, I think they always seem to go in very rigid. The expectations on them very high, and those, as soon as they get into that first game and it doesn't quite go um, as as planned, if it ends up with a nil nil or a one nil, then all those all those big household names all of a sudden don't seem to mean anything at all. Um, I think we're a good mixture. I think of young players. I really I'd love to see some of the younger players. Um, I'd love to see Foden start. I'd love to see Grealish get a go. Um, I've I've got a gut feeling that Gareth is going to go for Sterling, but for some reason I just don't feel that he's he's worthy of going in that team ahead of some other players. Um, I think he's he's had a few tournaments now to to kind of show show what he's about, um, and he's he's been okay. But like you mentioned, when when you see these these big household England names and they're tipped to be, I think what I think we're se- are we second favourite. I think I saw the other day. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, when when you see it as an England fan and you have a, try and have a neutral perspective, obviously you've got the whole, oh, it's coming home, look at the team. But then when you look back at some of the tournaments we've had, we've got a very fortunate run in the last one where we should have really, that should have been a World Cup final for England, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, that went tits up very quickly um, and people saw it as a very good tournament, which in some ways I can see it. But I think with this with this one, I don't know. I'm just I'm 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 concerned again. I always am before the start of the tournament. I think I don't know if Southgate's going to be the man who would bring these players together to get them over the line and give them that confidence that they need to go out and show the ability that we've seen that they can have at club at club level football. I think that's always been the difference for England is at club football. You can say yeah, like the likes of Lampard and Gerrard, they do it all the time, and then as soon as they put an England shirt on, they just hit the floor and they're terrible at times. So. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah. the The bookies are extremely optimistic, even as an England fan. As much as I'd love to see us um, dominate the tournament, go into the final, and then maybe narrowly lose or even win it, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get too carried away with that, to be honest. No, no, fair enough. And um, Josh, as you as you look at that squad, mm. I mean, there, there, there's goals in it in terms of like we we know Harry Kane will score goals at every level. He's he's, pre- he's a proven goal scorer. You know, I can't even take that away from him. Fair play. Um, we know the likes of Marcus Rashford, who's had a pretty poor season in terms of form, mm. but we know on his day is is very good. But for me, it's all about that midfield. And you know, as a, a completely non-biased. Um, England, England uh, person here. I couldn't give a monkey's who they picked, but I would love to see, like Tom said, I'd love to see them go with the likes of Grealish and and Mason Mount and and Phil Foden 
Bellingham, I agree, has, has got all the potential to be a standout player. But the one that really strikes me, sort of, that could get into this side and have a real impact is, is Calvin Phillips, because I would have him ahead of Jordan Henderson every day of the week. I think he's an exceptional uh, and very underrated midfielder who can go mm. higher than, than his, his current club at, at Leeds at the moment. Is it that midfield that you think is has got to be right for England to progress deep into this tournament? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was the worry when the initial squad was announced that it looked very thin in midfield. Um, obviously, Gareth called up a, a number of central midfielders and have subsequently dropped them out. Uh, James Ward-Prowse was the main big name for me that missed out. I would say on uh, the opponents in this group as well, since the World Cup, uh, the Nations League has given England another chance to play Croatia and we've beaten them mm. uh, and convincingly at that point as well. This Croatia team since that World Cup, now maybe they turn it on for the tournaments and you can argue the Nations League is also a tournament as well. You know, it's how Portugal got their place, if I remember rightly. It was Portugal's the holders of the Nations League. Yeah. Um, that That's how they got their place in the in the tournament that this is another um yeah it, it's that's probably why we're kind of a favorite because we've then shown that teams that you would say england wouldn't beat they've come up against and anybody that's come in front of us we we have at some point beaten them what i do worry is the route out of the group it's a very dangerous very trepidatious exit out of this group so where we were talking about who certain teams can be matched up with because there's only four third place teams that can come out of them. You're expecting one of those to be um, from group F potentially, but that doesn't even matter. So the group of death that we're talking about, it's whoever's second place faces the winner of this group. And if that's England, you're going to, I'm sure we'll go on to who we think will top that France, Portugal, uh, Germany group, but you'd have to be very, very lucky if you're facing Hungary. Should we say in the uh, in the next rounds, you're potentially picking someone like France, who we've seen notoriously don't necessarily start tournaments as quickly as they could, um, and you could see another team picking the top spot in that group. That's the kind of worry, um, but it's also there for the taking. I think the bookies have put a lot of heavy advantage on playing your games at home um so Wembley is going to be huge for England I think um especially with the capacity available to us it's bigger than most of the other stadiums because it's 90,000 we can get in under Covid rules 20 or so thousand at that point there are some banana skins I can certainly see as well uh this Czech Republic side very big very fickle. Thomas Suchek, everybody in the Premier League knows about him. Um, mm. You've got uh, Alex Kral at Spartak Moscow, another player who's very interesting in their midfield. And it's a team that could bully this England side. What we've seen in the friendlies is that my biggest worry is the defence because it's it's been pulled out of, there isn't many kind of um, like combinations in there um harry Maguire isn't necessarily fit and for me i find he can be a bit of a liability but then you've also got i can say in the same breath you've got john stones there uh, who you know has a great 
great uh, season at Manchester City, but you know he's got it in his locker. And uh, Ben White, who I think absolutely fantastic that he's made the squad. Again, looked a little shaky in there with um, Tyrone Mings next to him as a partner. Tyrone Mings, again, I think it's been highlighted how shaky he's looked. And as Tom's mentioned, old T-Rex arms in goal, if that's the goalkeeper we're going with in Jordan Pickford, that's the problem that we've got a lot of players here and that we all see very regularly and everybody could make a combination of a front four or so that would be good enough, I would say, for 95% of any other team in this tournament would take a forward four from our team, from the England squad. Um, Another name that you've not mentioned as well, who I think could take this tournament absolute storm if Southgate gives him the opportunity to do that, and that's Jadon Sancho. Because where I've said the you know the Netherlands team could be made or break by broken by the manager and his selections, Jaden Sancho for me is an absolute cert at the right wing. But you know for the want to want to play him, so he cuts inside. But he has been, I'd say, arguably one of the best players, well under twenty one, this entire season, other than Mbappe across all leagues. He has been creative. He has been a goal threat. And he has just been superb for Borussia Dortmund. And I think there's that kind of nagging thing that because he doesn't play in England, he won't necessarily get the opportunity. In his, I think um, in terms of what we'll see from Bellingham, I think Bellingham is straight in this squad. He is, yeah. He's played both, he's played significant amounts in this um, run up to the pre-games and... I could see the forward line and yeah, what I'd kind of want to see from Southgate is just him going, we're going to concede, but let's have some fun because this team could knock teams for, you know, three or four goals Mm. at this level with that forward line. You could argue they could do it to anybody on their day. And that's what tournament football is about fundamentally. Uh, Obviously the worry happens if you get to the latter stages, but again, the opportunity to have that, uh, you know, the big games with a home only crowd because these won't be mixed at this point. Um, mm. I think that's going to be huge for England and getting behind the team. It could be what kind of propels them as the twelfth man. But again, as Tom's kind of mentioned, if, if Sterling starts for me, if Harry Kane continues to think he's playing for Spurs, <laughs> that's going to be an issue because there's not many players that in this England team that run beyond their striker. They all play for teams where their striker is the focal point. Sancho at Dortmund has got Erling Haaland up front with him, who loves to sit on the last man. Um, You've got Grealish with Ollie Watkins, very, uh, you know, a striker that likes to move around a lot. Maybe Mason Mount could have that because he's got the experience with Havertz and Foden in their false nine system at, at Manchester City but that's the main worry for me that it's it's the captaincy at Harry Kane I don't think is necessarily right for me you've got as much as I don't like him you've got the captain of a Champions League and Premier League winning squad who wasn't necessarily first team or first name on the team sheet in Jordan Henderson and I think he is vital for getting this this team 
through this tournament with his experience. And whilst yeah. he may not be the first name on the team sheet or even on the team sheet at all, he's going to be huge for this side. Mm. I wonder if that's why they took him even with his fitness mm. doubts, whether he's quite a big influence in the dressing room as well. That's mm. something that, that jumps out. Yeah. And just very briefly before we move on to me and Lana getting <coughs> the chance to gush over our respective following team. Um, any, so giving Scotland... I any... about Scotland. Uh, yeah, I... You I forgot about to... Saka as well. I, I would did have... forget yeah, about I, Saka. I, I, where's the I respect? I was, and... trying, I was trying to, so... to not be biased, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? Let's be honest. Saka I is mean, brilliant. He will be the I... surprise player for you guys, in my opinion. I don't I think you'll get a game. Uh, yeah, I, do I don't think you'll get a game no, either. I don't think that. I can't see Southgate play. I'd love to see him play, but I don't think he'll play. And that's the thing that I worry about Southgate. I think he's too secure in what he does. And he mm. don't, I, 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 I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll get a minute unless there's a flood of injuries to the point where he phys- he physically has to play him. As much as I'd love mm. to see him, even as somebody who follows United, I, I, I'd love to see him play, but I, I don't think he'll he'll get the game time. Well, like, that sucks. Uh, yeah, it'll be someone like, well, Grealish gets in ahead of him for me, uh, unless you're playing Grealish centrally, in which case there's a place for Saka. But you know what Southgate's going to do, and he's going to put Sancho over there, or he's going to put Rashford there. Yeah, he'll play Rashford at left he'll wing. He'll play Rashford at left wing, or, or Raheem Sterling. Remember, you've still got to get Sterling into this squad as well. <laughs> Saka's only chance is if um, you know Luke Shaw's stuck behind Greg's and eating out of the bins, and uh, Chilwell walks past and slips over a steak bake and puts himself out for the tournament. That's the only way I can see Saka getting minutes here. Um, it'll be a great experience for him, but um, I think that's all it's going to be. Uh, and then talking about the Scotland um, side as well, because I forget we completely miss Scotland. There's going to be something about that Wembley game. There's going to be some added fire in the belly for Scotland wanting to repeat anything. And I have a feeling they're going to do England for a draw mm. in that game. Yeah, I've got a feeling that might happen as well. Um, I think if it does happen, Southgate's got to walk even if he wins Euro 2020 because he can't be seen dead anywhere if he mm. gives the Scots anything. Um Josh, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but home advantage means jack shit. You're still going to lose a Euro final. Just look at us. We match-fixed our whole way to the final. Lost to Portugal, who also match-fixed their way to the final. So, you know, home advantage well, doesn't mean much. Exactly. Be realistic. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be realistic. I, I think we'll draw against Scotland. Yeah, I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with mm. this, but this, this whole issue of, I, I shouldn't say this whole issue because it's a very big issue, mm. but this this controversy about the taking of the knee and, and there's a lot that's come out of it. I wonder if actually this home advantage thing might actually be a bit of a, uh, a negative for England because the fan base seems very divided and um, I, I don't particularly give a toss who cares about my views on this one. If you boo the taking of the knee you are more than likely fundamentally racist. That's just a fact. If you want to deny that, and if you want to swing tweets my way about that, feel free, go for it. I, I will ignore you all and probably block you all as well. But um, hopefully our listeners have got more sense than to, to suggest otherwise. But I say that because the manager has come out and said, you know, we're not doing this. This is not a Marxist movement. This is not a political movement. This is our players standing up for what they believe in and making a stand. That's the only reason. 
And I agree with various other pundits who said, if you don't like it, just sit quietly and say nothing. You don't need to boo. You don't need to make a show of it. And, and there was very noticeably, you know, the, the claps drowned out the booze in the end, didn't they? So there's a clear divide, almost, a, you know, I don't want to trivialise it, but almost a sort of a WWE type fan, you know, booing one side and cheering the, the good guy on the other side. I just wonder if if we might get a bit of a toxic environment in the stands for, for England fans. I would say it completely depends on who gets in. Um, based on some... Uh, not third or third-hand experience of what happened at the Riverside uh, when my colleagues was at the game. There, I won't go into too much of he said, she said, based on what occurred at that. But let's just say there were more people in that stadium than the capacity was meant to be, mm. and that there were people who fundamentally went in to boo and then left. Yeah, that's all they went to do. Uh, they should get stabbed sideways i can stab them one by one (laughs) and yeah i will say it depends purely on who gets in um the balancing system it helps but the fundamentally if you were england home and away already you've got tickets to this tournament if that's Mm. the core support base that that's that's was was where the booing was coming from Mm. then that's the worry if it wasn't which from what I've heard, it was locals going in and not necessarily the core Club Wembley group that were uh, with the booze. I think it will be interesting to see um, what happens. I think when the tournament's in full swing, I think a lot of people will forget about their prejudices. Pre- uh, can't say the word. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. against their prejudice. Um, and it will be a case of they'll just be supporting the team because yeah. they'll Siege want to friendly. win. Whilst it's a friendly, that kind of they feel like the opportunities there. Mm. When it's the this is affecting the players, you've got to be a supporter. I think there's a great um, James O'Brien clip at the moment of speaking to somebody who was there that did boo uh, mm. and is part of the Club England or Club Wembley um, travelling party. That, yeah. Uh, they're supporters we're supporters support is the first line of what you should be doing Mm. and if it's going to put any players off their game by booing them it it's not going to be helpful for us winning a tournament um which i think you could say at club level as well irrespective of why you're booing a player um Mm. may not be for black lives matter it might be just because they're shit Um, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily help them um and yeah No, I agree. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. And one thing's for sure, we're all going to look like utter muds when the mighty Scots top the group, having won all three of their games uh, at the end of it, when it all shakes out. And uh, jokes aside, looking at that Scotland squad, there is a bit of talent in there, to be fair. Um, Kevin Nisbet, the young forward up front, is is one who's sort of going under the, the radar. Billy Gilmore has big things thought of him at Chelsea. Uh, Stuart Armstrong, Southampton, Callum McGregor of Celtic, John McGinn of Aston Villa. Scott McTominay's probably had his best season for Manchester United since, since he's broken through. A couple of very good players there. We know about Robertson and, and Kieran Tierney as far as fullbacks. So, uh, and, and Ross would kill me if I didn't mention Shea Adams, um, sort of naturalised Scottish. So, yeah, there's enough in that Scottish side that um, could cause a few... Uh, upsets if given the opportunity right um you've had your england time uh settle back because uh, uh, lana and i are gonna are gonna talk a bit of sweden and a bit of france in a second but um we'll still bring you in don't worry group e then um lana i'll start with you on this one so poland slovakia spain and sweden 
uh, both you and I have a, a little bit of a soft spot for Sweden, you, because of your uh, your upbringing and uh, having lived in Sweden. And me, just because I love Henrik Larsson and Martin Darlene and, and uh, Thomas Ravelli from the 94 squad. What a squad that was. Good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the days when Thomas Brolin wasn't fat. Um yeah, great times, and I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Sweden, so I'm, I'll be backing them to hopefully come through, probably in second, I think, if we're realistic, because Spain are probably the favourites. But would it be fair to say it's not exactly a vintage Spanish squad without the likes of Ramos and, and a few household names this year? I hadn't heard of half. Okay, I think with the exception of Morata and a few players, I hadn't heard of 90% of that squad. So uh, I was like... But then again, it's Spain, so I wouldn't, you know, underestimate them. I don't think Sweden will come second because I don't want to, you know, rule out Poland with Lewandowski, who just seems he was on fire before his injury. I don't know if he's back to full fitness. I mean, they have a good squad in general. So, but again, there's also a Sweden without Zlatan who, you know, made his famous comeback after five years, much like Benzema did, but now has been ruled out with an injury. They do have an exciting young squad. I mean, they have Kulusevski, who plays at Juventus, Foschbad, who plays at Leipzig, Alexander Isak, who plays in Spain for Real Sociedad. Oh, I um, yeah, uh, Jordan Larsson as well. I mean, so... And much like Denmark, Sweden collectively just do so well together. Uh, I mean, there's just that sense of pride putting on that shirt and giving their all for it. Much like, you know, these lesser, more popular teams, there's just a different vibe to them. Uh, You know, if you're going to compare them with the big favorites. So that's, I wouldn't underestimate Sweden. They could come best third as well. I mean, there's four spots open. Uh, I think it could go anyway. It depends. The opening game in that group is Spain and Sweden. So yeah. Sweden doesn't have a home advantage uh, uh, as much as Josh has been harping about it for the past 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, so, But, you know, Sweden has had some classic and amazing results in the past. Uh, the amazing 4-4 against Germany. So I wouldn't... Um, I think they would do well. Uh to be honest, I'm very excited, especially by Kulusevski, Isak, Isak in particular, especially since he's had a good ga- uh, season for Sp- uh, in Spain. I'm mm. excited to see how he does. My big concern is Janne, who can just actually eat a bun and choke because he is all about defense, defense, defense. And Sweden, if you put them in a beautiful attacking formation, they just floor into a big butterfly and would be amazing to watch. But then again, it's all about being defensively solid. That's more important than scoring goals, which Mm. could be a main concern in a group where you have you know, someone like Lewandowski, someone like Spain, who is known for their attacking football. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, exci- yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too, me too. And, and I love the fact Seb Larsson is still a Swedish international after all these years. That's good good to see, as is Andreas Granqvist, who must be getting his 40s by now. Um, but yeah, a couple of couple of good players. Um, if, for anyone who hasn't followed Spanish football or, or doesn't have a, a bit of a, a foot in the Swedish camp, if you haven't watched Alexander Isak, uh, please just just watch one game that he starts, if he starts, because this kid has so much. Big, powerful, strong, quick 
skillful, just everything in the modern centre forward. He's he's so good, and uh, potentially has has a, a very big career ahead of him. I think he went to Sociedad permanently from Dortmund, didn't he? In the end, but I don't think he'll be at Sociedad for long if he keeps up the form he showed this year. Um, I will just bring Tom and Josh in uh, briefly on this group. Uh, Josh, I'll give you Poland. Uh, is it all about uh, Robert Lewandowski? Is is it all about him in terms of, of Poland? Because we've been here before, haven't we? Where we've looked at the Polish squad and we've got lots of talent, etc. and so on. And then they've just stunk the place out. So is this the Polish squad that potentially, finally, we might see something good from? Uh, well, I think it's, a uh, again based on the uh, quality of their under-21s coming through. Uh, so I'm going to go with my uh, exciting player to look at is Jakob Moda. Um, mm. I'm sure anybody who has got the uh, Wikipedia up and looks at the club they play for or he plays for, they'll realise why I'm picking Jakob Moda over uh, other people. I believe who got his debut goal against England um, only a few weeks ago uh, in the last... Uh, last group but yeah uh he's one that i would have a look out for uh in their midfield uh, again we can name like the zelinski uh, napoli this is all very much a great ensemble of players uh i'm sure Wojciech Szczesny will be in goal um you know bedrack at the back it's how they can mold together and make sure they create enough chances for Lewandowski. i think that's yeah. fundamentally the biggest thing here um for them is creating those chances because you know you can have the greatest striker in the world up front but if you don't give him the chances he's not going to get any goals for you um and that's going to be the big one um for them so yeah that's where i'd be slightly uh because every time england have drawn poland which they do many a time we either get lucky and Lewandowski isn't there or you just don't create enough for him yeah. and they ask a bit too much from him and yeah as you say with coming back from his injuries how much running has he got in in him to really carry that side or is it time for these kind of younger guys coming through to really put some energy into this side and you know help him out a bit because fundamentally he's a goal machine and yeah. you've just got to make sure he's, he's being fed yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I think um, Arkadius Milik had a really good end to the season on loan at uh, Marseille from Napoli as well. So if, if you get the two of those firing, that that potentially has goals written. He's out injured. And... Oh, is he? Is, is he he got ruled out. Oh, he got no. ruled out two days ago because I just saw Marseille fans crying, much to my pleasure. <laughs> that slipped under my radar, so that is a shame. So in that case, then the goals are very much going to be relied upon through through Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Uh, but yeah, um, good to see that Kamil Glick and Gregor Krikowiak are still in that squad. I think, again, they're both about 50 by now, so that's good to see. Um, another player to probably look out for is Carol Linetti, who's a very underrated midfielder who plays at Torino in uh, in Italy. And uh, for Premier League fans, you might recognise the name Matthias Klick from Leeds as well. He's one of the, the fundamental midfielders. So that just um, leads me to uh, give Tom Spain. Um, Lana mentioned it there, Tom, Spain's squad is... It's a bit different. I think it's fair to say we we've got the um, 
We've got the the wonderful French legend Amaric Laporte coming into the Spanish squad this year. That's an interesting one. Um, we've got Brazilian-born Thiago Alcantara. Uh, we've got German-based Danny Olmo. <laughs> I could go on here. But uh, there's, there's quite a few different names in this Spanish squad. A lot of the household names are, are no more. Any of those that stand out for you? I think the one that I'm kind of excited to see is, is Pedri, the young Barcelona player. But also Mikel Orizabal's had a really good season at, at Sociedad. Um, mentioned Dani Almo at, at uh, uh, Leipzig for, for, uh, in the Bundesliga. Any of those players that stand out for you, though? Because to me, on paper, it doesn't look like a vintage Spanish squad. No, it kind and there's of... there's no Madrid players either. Sorry, no yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, seeing that. Yeah, but that was amazed by that. Um, mm. I think this kind of reminds me of the the slightly older Spanish teams like, from a few years ago before they started going on the, the World Cup win, the Euro win, where they had some good players here and there, but the, the fundamentals of their squad were, they were decent, but they weren't mm. anything like when they had the Chavis, the Iniestas, um, Ramos in his peak as well. So I think it's it's kind of a, a mismatch that you mentioned and um, a couple of players in there. I think Ferran Torres as well, from what I've seen mm. um, from a couple of uh, like friendlies and other international games, he seems to be kind of their go-to for a, a goal or two here or there. Um, and I think Gerard Moreno as well, see, wiping away yeah. the tears from the uh, the United <laughs> game. Um, he's, from what I believe, he's banged quite a few goals in this season. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets quite a lot of game time. I don't know, I, I believe they'll probably start Morata maybe over the top of him, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets a, gets a platform to try and um, perform. But they do have still quite a lot of experience in there, De Gea, um, Jordi Alba's in there as well, obviously, um, and yeah. Koke as well. I think they're all very, very good, experienced players. I do, I do worry if it goes to penalties and David De Gea's in goal that anyone <laughs> with a blindfold on their legs tied could probably still score against him. Um, but I think Adama Traore as well was an interesting one to see. I think he was, yeah. he's a bit of, he seems to be their, their wild card um, from what I see. If you bring him on in extra time, any left back is going to absolutely cack it. Um, yeah. Because I think he might just, although he's not the most um, serene and beautiful footballer, he's so direct, so fast and so powerful that sometimes in those kind of those games where you need that extra something, he mm. might be that that X factor that they look to. Um, chaos chaos uh, theory almost, doesn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, I think if Luis Enrique wasn't the manager, Adama Troy wouldn't be near the Spain squad. I tend to agree with that. Actually. Because yeah, he's... He's a player, I remember um, uh, Nuno saying that when he came into Wolves from Bas, uh, and it was from Villa, they, Villa, they had yeah. to say to him, you're going to beat anybody with your pace, but you just need to slow down mm. and actually pass the ball because his end product is shocking. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. shocking. Um, and for me, Ferran Torres is the for me, is the standout player. Yeah, Sergio so Busquets uh, is still there as yeah, well. I would like to anchor that midfield. Mm. Um, and Marcos Llorente, who's mm. been brilliant for Atletico Madrid, who, of course, won mm. the league in, in La Liga this season. He's probably going to be a, a key part to that. Um, that Busquets midfield. is out with COVID. Oh, God. See, I'm, I'm doing got, really well here, aren't I? The, the entire Spanish squad, I think, is on lockdown they're, at the moment. They're aren't they? Yeah. They're getting All vaccinated. Cause, yeah, because okay. Robert Sanchez has also been diagnosed so with uh with covid so his bus gets actually ruled out or was it just that he's self-isolating until he's available he's out he's apparently he's out with covid so i don't know if he's yeah. been withdrawn from it the, but they called up six more players just because they were worried about a covid outbreak 
Mm. Crikey. So yes, I mean that, I think they were the main the main team of all of the squads that have been the biggest effect from COVID symptoms. So that would be a worry for them. So it might end up being a very different squad uh, entirely. But yeah, Adama Traore fully greased up in the summer sunshine. That will be quite the uh, quite the thing to see. Um, right, one more group to go then. And uh, Lana, this is where uh, we'll we'll hopefully. Um, uh, the first question I'm just going to ask you, uh, group, group F, of course, it is classed as a group of death, France, Germany, Hungary and Portugal, as we mentioned. Do you have any slight concerns? Because I do. We're going out. About... Well, this is my worry. Like, everybody is basically bigging up France, as they rightfully should, because on paper, France are clearing away the best team in this tournament. They've got the best players. Obviously, we know about Karim Benzema's return. They look fluid in terms of that front three with, with Griezmann and, and him and, and Mbappe. Everything on paper says they walk this tournament and they can probably sit on the beach for most of it. That's what worries me, because every time the pressure is on France, something inevitably goes a bit wonky. What I mean, do, do you am, am I worrying about nothing? Are you fully confident or have you got that nagging feeling that something might go wrong here? OK, so you remember. So at home, I've been hyping up the under 21s uh, and then we just, you know, crashed and burned and went straight to yeah. hell and I just cried and it was awful and then I started to have this nagging feeling uh, which I got the same feeling before the Euro 2016 so I have a flashback to 2010 and we all remember that yes. summer we mm -hmm. don't we don't talk about it because it's erased but it's just I have no idea why I have this nagging feeling and it's just, the, as you mentioned, the pressure. And it, it's all lined up for us to win it. But I'm just, I don't know. It's, I have a really, really bad feeling. <laughs> and that's why I haven't been hyping them so much. Because I don't want it to Same. come back and bite me. <laughs> yeah. can, so I, like, can I ask a question about France? And this might yeah. be falling down a very atypical stereotype for the squad, more than and likely when you say that. Potentially down to, as you mentioned, a summer that won't be necessarily named, where um, buses were brought and uh, maybe maybe sat on for longer than they should have been. Bullying. Is yes. there a is there a chance that? And I'm not naming complete names in here, um, but I will include the forward that has come back. Benzema in this Giroux? kind of group, in Benjamin, no, in terms of uh, Benzema and others, do you think if they're not getting the game time that mm. they might deserve or feel they deserve, they could be rocking a boat? Or do yeah, you think they will be happy to just sit there and the probably on. collect their medal at the end? Of this, because the, the other one we shouldn't not shouldn't overlook here, Lana is Adrian Rabio, who that was my other one. <laughs> yeah, he essentially refused to play for the the, the second string for France, and Deschamps said, "That's fine, you never play for France again." And lo and behold, he's back. And to be fair, he has been playing very well. So I don't he think he has think the talent's not in question, help. is it? No, it has helped that his mom has fucked up completely. I would agree. It has with that helped. It has helped that he plays now for a club that does not accept that kind of bullshit that PSG mm -hmm. did at yeah. Juventus. It that that shit doesn't fly uh whatsoever. Uh either you play where you're told to play or you're benched or we just dissolve your contract, period. Um 
you know, at our club, we don't hold the club at ransom and demand 250k a week and just sit and have back injuries. So, you know, take note. So I, you know, I, he has had a really good season for Juve. He's been one of the bright spots in a very depressing season. To say the least. Yes, we won two trophies. We qualified for the Champions League, but so he's had a really good season. I don't, I don't disagree with this call up. Uh, there's um, some that I disagree with. I'm heartbroken that Fedla Mendy didn't get a call up. I mm. thought he had a really good season. Uh, yeah. Probably should have been there ahead of other names. Uh, pretty heartbroken for Ndombele. Uh, genuinely really, really sad that he doesn't get a call-up. People tend to ask, why does Sissoko get called up? Why does Giroud get called up? Fine, we all know Giroud didn't score a single goal at the World Cup. He is still instrumental to that system. He works his ass off, and when Mbappe doesn't bother tracking back, Giroud does all the dirty work. Sissoko is also someone you can trust in that midfield, because for some strange reason, he shows up for France every time. Uh, but he doesn't for Spurs. That's the thing. I mean, you know, Henri was great for club level. He was not so great for France. That's why he's not also very much beloved in France, if you compare him to, you know, someone like Trezeguet, who was. So people tend to question his choices, but I understand them as much as I don't agree with them. It makes sense. Um, I still do have worries about the midfield, just because I feel that we need more creativity uh, because it's a very defensive midfield. I mean, with the exception of Pogba and Thomas Lamar, who's, you know, been very much hit with injuries, the others offer more of a defensive stability uh, and, than anything else. Do you think that's a counter for the, the the forwards though? Because I mean, we're we're pretty much assured that we're going to get a Griezmann, Mbappe, and and Benzema forward line. That midfield three is likely to be Pogba, Rabiot, and, and Golo Kante. We we've seen how good Golo Kante has been in recent months. We know how good Pogba can be, especially for France. And we mentioned Rabiot. So is it just a question that they just want to build a solid base to allow those three to just go and destroy teams on their own? I think it's going to be Tuliso in midfield just because he started mm. him in the last two games and he's playing yeah. tonight as well and he's having a great game. Mm. Uh, I think with, you know, Griezmann, he tracks back. Uh, I mean, Ben Yedder does the grunt work. If he's supposed to start, you know, Dembele, that could be a concern. Mbappe doesn't track back much either. So that mm. could be. And because our defense isn't as good as it was in the World Cup, uh, I still maintain that Umtiti and Varane was the perfect centre-back pairing just because it was. So if I feel we've downgraded a lot in defence compared mm. to back then. Yeah, we still have Fernand- uh, um, Hernandez and Pavard, but I still feel that Umtiti is going to be a huge miss. Yes, he's not been playing for Barcelona. He's been awful whenever he has played. But he was so brilliant at that World Cup. His goal against Belgium sent us to the final uh, as well. So it was that bit of a Turam in him. Uh, mm. Not that we're comparing, you know, Titi <laughs> to one of the all greatest. But you got that small sense of it because he shares so many of the similar qualities. Yeah. So, but my main concern probably is that front three. Just because mm. it just seems like their three best friends reunited once again. Mm. but 
as much as we give Giroud shit, yeah, as much as we give Giroud shit for not scoring, he's still such a huge and integral part of that, you know, front three because he allows them to roam freely, you know, because he protects that front three and Mm -hmm. also offers some defensive stability to a midfield. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I really worry that if it doesn't like if he, if they play the first game and it doesn't work out like in the World Cup where they changed it after the first game, I worry that this year it might be Griezmann that's the scapegoat because there's no way they're dropping Mbappe. It would be too controversial, like Josh touched on, to drop to drop Benzema. I worry that they might either force Griezmann wide or drop him entirely to bring back Giroud, and and that could upset or Coleman or Coleman. Yeah, because because Griezmann's been so key to this team. He scored tonight in in the game against Bulgaria. Yeah. Um, and as for the centre-back pairing, I agree with you. I think it's likely to be Kimpembe and Varane. Varane's had a, a very sort of up-and-down season with Madrid, mainly due to injuries and obviously Madrid being a bit uh, bipolar in their season. Kimpembe is, is a strange one because I genuinely think he's got everything to be one of the great centre-backs in world football. But he he just has those moments sometimes where he just loses it completely, both mentally and positionally. Um, and, yet, and yet he has the ability and athleticism to recover. And I think he's one of those defenders that he gets away with a lot because he's so quick and because he gets back in and, and makes those sort of goal-saving challenges when really is it, the reason he's had to make them is because he was out of position in the first place. So I just feel like he needs good coaching. Um, as long as Longley is nowhere near that starting eleven, I'm happy because yeah. genuinely he's the most overrated centre-back <laughs> ever. The yeah. fact that people genuinely thought that he was better than Umtiti, please stand in front of me on the line so I can shoot you one by one. <laughs> I really I like Longley, but I do I'm, agree. I'm happy, I'm happy about Jules Conde being called up. Yeah. I'm really yeah. happy. Uh, you know, he was pulled from the under-21s. Sad that Awad isn't there. I think mm-hmm. that he would have offered something special, much like Fekir did as well, because you need that creativity in midfield. Uh, happy to see Zuma back as well. I think he's, you know, earned a place back. So mm-hmm. it just uh, depends on who the fullback's going to be. I mean, we all know that Loris will start because he's the captain. It would have yeah. been nice to see, you know, Lil or Milan's and new uh, yeah. goalkeeper. Uh, because he's had such a sensational season for Lille. Yeah. Um, but being the captain, there's no way he's going to drop him. No. Unless unless they're like top and he can play against Hungary. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Josh, so I am worried. And we don't even we're, have we're, home advantage. I was going to say, we're, we're both on the same page. So in, in the interest of fairness, it's only fair that we bring in the other two and, and round this off with, with the views on the other ones. Uh, I'll go to Tom first of all. Tom, I'm going to, I'm going to give you Portugal. Uh, we'll cover Hungary as a group, but I'll give you Portugal as, um, as the one to focus on for yourself. I mean, we mentioned the fact they, they are the current European champions. They are holders of the trophy. We know that they've got Ronaldo. So, I mean, that kind of goes without saying in terms of what he can bring to that, that particular squad. They, I, don't, I just don't, I don't really know what to make of Portugal because I look at the squad, I've got it in front of me now, and you look at some of the players, you know, you're guaranteed at least four penalties in this tournament thanks to Bruno Fernandes. Uh, uh, sorry, I couldn't I was resist. waiting for that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's, let's be fair, you know, he, he's a very, very good player and, you know, can run a midfield. You've got Charles Felix, who he's flattered to deceive, but we know there's a player in there who's just waiting to burst through. Andre Silva's had a, a great season in Germany. Renato Sanchez has actually not been brilliant for the All-Infernus this season, but 
has had moments where you've seen the player that he can be. And then we know about people like Ruben Neves and uh, Pedro Gonçalves, who's is a really talented midfielder. There's so much in that squad that says to me, yeah, they're going to be decent. But then I look at their defence and I see, God bless him, Jose Font is still going and Pepe is still there. And, and Gian Martinho is still hanging around. And Rui Patricio, you never quite know what you're going to get in goal. So I can't work them out. Do you, do you think they are going to be the full force or are we going to see another defensive shithousery to, to the later stages yeah I think it I think it's going to be the latter um I think they like you mentioned that they're littered with quality in certain areas you mentioned Ronaldo João Felix um and then Bernardo Silva as well um so they, they either, yeah, they, they've, they've got a lot of good players going forwards I think it's just it's going to really rely on that back four I think Ruben Diaz is going to be um, pivotal, I think, to that to that defensive line because you mentioned Jose Fonte and Pepe. They've probably got a combined age of about seventy five now between them. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're so old, um, and I think that they might have an issue if they come up against like a, an Mbappe as soon as <laughs> as soon as he starts running on them. I mean, God help him. I, th- I think mm. even on a bike they'd struggle. It's like they're. I think they they are. I don't know. It, I think that there could be one where I anticipate they'll do really well and then do terribly badly, um, and then. I could anticipate they do absolutely awfully, and then they like you say they they scrape one nils um, just from that one little bit of quality from one of the many players that they know they have that that can produce something or a, a Bruno Fernandez penalty, and then next thing you know they're they're in the final. Um, I think they're one that they they shouldn't be overlooked. <laughs> so what's that? Lana and a match fixing uh, match fixing run. Yeah, um, and the coach is still the same. I think I'm right saying Fernando Santos is, yeah. is the, the the coach who won it with them last last time. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I, you know, on paper, there, there's a hell of a squad there, but I just I can't sort of get past the idea. It's going to be so hit or miss. It'll be interesting to see if Renato Sanchez um, mm. turns up again, like he did that time when he burst onto the scene, because he yeah. seems to be a completely different player um, on his day for Portugal. Yeah, he's a, he's a strange one because I say it like he's a very fashionable player, he's a very hipster player. Ironically, given our podcast name, and and you know he has he played his part in Lille's uh, sort of win Liga's Liga's title challenge and, and ultimate win this season. But he, I wouldn't say he he what he hasn't been as good as the likes of Benjamin Andre, who went under the radar in that Lille midfield. He kind of came in, did his part, and then kind of came out again. Yeah, but so he's, did he's, Ponte. He did really well true. against both the games against PSG. So he did, yeah, that's fair. He yeah. showed that he can, you know, keep Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, Mosakin at bay. Mm. I think they won the games as well. If, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, one nil. Neymar got sent yeah. off the last game. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's only really pace that Ponte struggles against. As an out-and-out defender, he's he's still yeah. very very decent. And, I think uh, it helps as well that Portugal um, with Semedo. Um, I'm not sure if they play Cancelo at left back or whether they go with Guerrero. I can't remember exactly which way it goes. Guerrero's, but Guerrero has been in recently, but yeah, I think they they have been playing Cancelo ahead of Semedo. I think for memory, because yeah, uh, luckily yeah. he's obviously got that that little bit of pace that might be able to cover up a little bit mm-hmm. some of the uh, some of the faults with with that potential centre back partnership being a bit sluggish. Yeah, true. isn't Guer- their goalkeeper injured? I think Lopez is starting. That's what he yeah, did in the last. I did hear some rumors about Patricia being. I did. I didn't know whether they were whether they were right or not. So if that is the case, then yeah, Lopez could come in. And um, I know you love him as a Leon person. We like, might have a I, chance of beating Portugal because he's been shit this season. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's so erratic. You know, he makes those unbelievable saves and then drops one in his own net. I just I can never quite work. You, him do out. you know how it's many very... points he cost us this season? 
exactly. For, That's... For, for fourteen, the game against uh, what was it, Lil? Yeah. Yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah. I I cried the whole night. I genuinely cried. Yeah. I was like, then, blocked everything, left Twitter, everything. I was like, nope, I'm done with this. I'm done with on, football. But on his day, sort of almost Jordan Pickford esque, he can turn in a ten out of ten. And you think he's a brilliant goalkeeper again? It's very bizarre. But uh, and the point about Guerrero, I think, is is very valid because he's been brilliant for Dortmund this season and has often done that covering in behind the likes of Mats Hummels in Dortmund where he's been beaten for pace. Guerrero's come out of nowhere and made tackles. So uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's a Lorient legend, of course. Um, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> talk to me about Germany because, uh, you know, being heavily in the England camp, I'm, I'm sure you it won't have missed your your gaze that, uh, that England-Germany is very much on the cards in this particular tournament. Um, you mentioned the scratch and sniff uh, manager, uh, outward departing uh, manager. We should say at this this point. Um, has has he got enough? Uh, hello, has he got enough in this German squad to to come back? I mentioned just literally mentioned Hummels coming back. We know Thomas Muller's come back. Uh, Kai Havertz finished the season very well with Chelsea. Timo Werner not so well. Uh, Kevin Volland has been brilliant for Monaco and, and rightfully got his return to the German national squad. And we all we all know, Premier League fans will know about the season that Ilkay Gundogan's had. And then the rest of it, you know, pretty standard. Gnabry, Sane, Klosterman's been very good for Germany. Ginter's been very good in the Bundesliga. What do you make of Germany? What Are we going to see a colossal fall apart once again, or are they going to go out with a bang before Joachim Lowe retires or I moves th- on, I should say? I think the thing that actually helps them is the fact that Yogi Love has said that he's going because he's going to keep it simple. He's not going to, you know, this is a bit like I see it as Fergie's last season at Man United, you know, where he was just like, actually... I'll get in a load of big guns. I don't necessarily need to pave the way. You know, in the ideal scenario, I'd leave this great. I'd integrate a load of youngsters in. But you can see this. He's brought in Thomas Muller, as you say. He's come back into the team. Uh, He's gone with experience. There isn't, you know, there was rumours of who would be like even the third choice goalkeeper might be one of the youngsters coming in. No, but Leno's there again. Kevin Trapp as well, yeah. Kevin Trapp as well. Um, He's still pretty. it's coming in as well for me they seem like a team that are they don't really necessarily have a striker that puts the fear of god into me as even as england we've got a shaky defense the player that i think could really stand out and make it his own because i think he had we saw glimpses in the world cup of this serge nagbury for me, I think the false nine position he was taking for uh, Bayern Munich uh, only a couple of seasons ago when uh, you know, Lewandowski was out looked very sharp there. Looked like he's got a great eye for goal and a hell of a shot on him as well. I think he might be one to look out for. Uh, you know, the partnership that he's got with Leroy Sana on the opposite flank for Munich as well. I think it's very much going to be all about the, the boys from Munich. Uh, the only real, I'd say, I know Kai Havertz is relatively young at 22, but the proper youngster and the standout is um, Jamal Musela uh, from mm-hmm. Bayern, you know, 18-year-old. Uh, there were, what, delusions of grandeur from England that we might be able to get hold of him due to uh, you know, the fact he was born in the England, but completely raised in Germany. And I think one more cap 
seals him as a German player. So he looks really interesting from the same stuff I've seen from him doing at Bayern. Uh, you know, only getting small cameos, but looks really, really interesting player. Uh, I think is probably one to watch if he ever gets a chance on the field. I think the way everything's kind of panned out, it might be have a look at, um, you know, their final, I think their final games against Hungary. That's yeah. where I'd expect to see a player like that make it. But otherwise, I think it's going to be very efficient. It's going to be the team that you'll assume full of experience from Yogi Love. He's not going to mess around with anything. I would be very surprised, even to the point where if Joshua Kimmich is playing in central midfield, I think he's going to go back to basics. That's Kimmich at right back. Um, and then just a case of you know the midfield of... Uh, you know, Goretzka in there, um, Tony Cruz. And he's going to go with reliable reliable players in there and not necessarily mess around too much with it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. It, 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 on paper, it does look like there's enough there. Leon Goretzka is another one that on his day can, mm. can run any team off the pitch and Joshua Kimmich mm. has been brilliant for Bayern Munich as well. Um, there is a fantastic pun uh, for those of you who have a 12-year-old sense of humour like I do. Um, you could put together this sentence, uh, Gunter Trap Cock. Um, so, you know, for those of you who are just sipping up now, please do it with care because, trust me, that hurts. You only ever do it once in life. Uh, once is all you need to do. Kevin Boland, is this his first tournament? Because he's had a great season for Monaco. Yeah, he's yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he has. You been put fantastic. the fear on God in me, to be honest, Josh, because when we faced them, I was like, yeah, we were so losing. Mm. But yeah, we won. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I, I, it is one of those groups, isn't it? I, th- I think the first game is going to be really, really important um, in terms of sort of setting the tone or the first games, I should say, in terms of setting the, the tone for who who progresses, because you just feel like it's going to be all about momentum in, in that one. And whoever ends up losing that first game uh, scrolls down France, Germany, of course, opens it up. I think that's next Tuesday and that's in Munich and then Hungary, Portugal. I think essentially if, if, if there's two wins from those two games, those two teams have got a massive advantage because if, if Portugal can take points off Hungary or vice versa, and there is a winner between France and Germany, suddenly it puts one of the big guns, you know, uh, sort of at a disadvantage. But as we've mentioned before, and as you said at the off, Josh, you know, Hungary might sit there and think, well, should we just pack our bags now, guys? Because, uh, you know, one of these three is probably going to finish third and, and we're going to be left behind. But I don't think we should underestimate underestimate Hungary because every time you do that, you do it at your peril. And they are, you know, there's enough players. I think Sir Bosloy is going to miss the tournament, isn't he? And he's mm-hmm. their, yeah. their big hope. So that that's a bit of a blow. Um, I'm just looking at the rest of their squad there. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of players I have never heard of, and trust me, I like. You do worry when a, I believe you do worry when it's Adam Bogdan that stands out too. Yeah, Adam Bogdan, <laughs> the ex-Liverpool player. Yeah, um, they have got Willie Orban, who, who's a pretty consistently good centre back at, at Leipzig in, in Germany, and um, Adam Slazai. Uh, that name rings a bell. I think he's he's drifted around Europe. So I mean. Yeah, is it Adam Nagy? Isn't he at Brentford? Or wasn't he at Brentford? That uh, he, oh, I think he was. He's at Bristol City from. Oh, uh, Bristol City. No, is it okay? He's, he's yeah, Bristol City. Brentford. I'd, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I may be making that up. Maybe it's Bristol City. No, not, not Brentford. at Brentford. He's at Bristol City. Um, cool. Yeah, never played for Brent. I think the only time he's ever been in Brentford is when he played away to them. Ah, 
Well, that, that counts. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've just that completely one. made it up and transformed it. Um, Adam Sazlai, by the way, plays at Mites in Germany. So, yeah, that name definitely ring a bell. But, yeah, looking down the rest of their squads, uh, there's a lot of players I, I don't don't know a lot about. Nemanja Nikolic, actually, is another one who is still playing. Um, he's he's the forward. Um, so, where is he playing now? He is playing in uh, Fevrar. Crikey. Well, there's a thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't give them too much hope if I'm I'm honest um i hate to be obvious but i just don't don't jinx it so, no we shall see right um we've gone a little bit longer than we planned but you know it's the first show uh so yeah from here on in they'll probably be around about an hour but for the preview show we've gone a little bit more in depth because we wanted to get all the teams covered just a quick look ahead then to what we're looking at in terms of the games uh kicking off so on friday the 11th of june I say we're recording this on the 8th of June, so three days' time. Stadio Olimpico in Rome sees Turkey and Italy kick off the tournament. I'm sure there'll be some horrendous opening ceremony where Diana Ross kicks a penalty and the goal eats David Guetta hole and uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg orders from takeaway on the pitch or something. Something will happen like that. So if you want to tune in just for the game, kicks off at 8 o'clock UK time. If you want to watch all the bullshit beforehand, maybe take the afternoon off work, get comfortable about about one o'clock in the afternoon because that's usually how long these opening ceremonies are so that'll be good viewing for you on the saturday you've got three games wales switzerland kicks us off at 2 p.m these are all uk times i should say denmark finland uh, that's probably one for the purists at 5 p.m belgium russia is the eight o'clock game uh, all in group a or the other game group a and the other two in group b group d on sunday England get their campaign off and running on BBC TV Sport, I'm reliably informed, uh, which I think is just, BB is just BBC One in the UK. England, Croatia is 2pm. Uh, Austria, North Macedonia, speaking of purist games, that's 5pm. And then Group C uh, also has Holland or Netherlands against Ukraine at 8pm. And then on the Monday, you have Scotland opening their campaign up against the Czech Republic. Poland face Slovakia. And uh, Spain, Sweden, which I'm sure Lana and I will be tucking into on Monday night at 8 p.m. And finally, those two remaining games we just mentioned, Holland, uh, Hungary against Portugal. Christy, that really would be harsh on Hungary to put Holland in as well. Hungary against Portugal is the 5 p.m. game and France against Germany, which I'm pretty sure will have a large viewing figure on, uh, on the evening. That's in Munich at 8 p.m. on Tuesday the 15th. And we'll probably squidge a pod in somewhere in and around after that game on the 15th. So uh, it, it may not be that night, but it'll probably be that week um, just before the other games get underway. So uh, before we round off the show, of course, I have to ask you all uh, the, the inevitable question. Um, who's going to win it and who are your dark horses? So uh, for those of you who I don't pick on first... Unlucky Tom, because I'm coming to you first. You two oh, guess like last um, time. <laughs> yeah, I've set you up here. Um, yeah, who, who's who are you backing? I mean, we know obviously you'd like it to be England, but taking off your um, your England hats, uh, who are your favourites and who do you anticipate might shock a few people? Um, I think it'd be dumb not to paint the obvious and say that I think France will be the favourites. I think the the depth of their squad and the quality that they have, and I'm not sucking up, I promise. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think, yeah they're, uh, they're, they're probably my go-to, I think, that will uh, 
well, yeah, my, they're my favourite anyway. That I'd say I think uh, as a as a stand up potential underdog, um, I think I think Italy might surprise a few people. I think um, they do have a lot of quality um, in that team that a lot of people might not potentially not know about um, from if whether they might not watch too much Serie A. But there are some really good players in that team, um, and I think they can do a job. Um, so I think they might put together some some form of run. Um, but as, as I quickly mentioned, France, sorry guys, I'm just going to squeeze the question in to, to, to you and Lana, because mm. that that's that France squad is absolutely stacked through. Um, and it almost seems like you, you take one player out and you can put another one in. Um, but is there a particular one player that you'd look at and you, your stomach will kind of sink a bit if they were to suddenly get a knock and then they can't suddenly play for the tournament? Do you think that will have mm. such a, a, bit, a big effect on that team? I don't know about yes. you, Lana, but there is one that immediately jumps to mind, a certain number seven. But, uh, uh, oh, sorry, not even for France, a certain number 10 for France, I should say, uh, in Kylian Mbappe. But, um, Me, uh, speaking of injuries, Benzema just went off with an injury and Giroud came yeah. on, but it's just a knock. For yeah. me, it's two players, uh, Rafael Varane, just because he's so mm. integral to that back, and Griezmann. Just because That's the one I was going to go with, yeah, I think yeah. he's huge for that team. So do you not? Do you guys not think? Yeah. Um, sorry, do you guys not think Kante is? Do you think he's he's one that's more easily replaced? Because when I look at that French side, I, I think the work that he does in any team that he's in gets quite overlooked. Do you think he's one as well? Or yeah, we have not that it's easy to replace him, but I wouldn't be so worried about midfield just because mm. we have very good. Uh, not replacements, but options. You have, you know, Tuliso, he's, he's so extremely versatile. Literally can play anywhere ex- with the exception of goalkeeper. Um, you know, you have Rabio, Pogba, uh, Thomas Lamar as well. Sissoko puts in a good uh, shift when needed. I mean, yeah. I know people will be like, what, Sissoko? But, but for me, Varane is, is just like the boss of that uh, defense. And, you know, when you don't have Umtiti anymore, who was so integral in the World Cup win, Varane is basically, because Lloris is like a headless chicken. I mean, he's so fucking useless. And Griezmann doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, enough respect. Massively uh, underrated, I agree. Yeah. yeah. He just because he just happens to love to make videos and he's a dork when it comes to video games, fine, but he's just so amazing for France and Barcelona screw them for ruining him, uh, as well. So for me, Griezmann is more important just because you have someone who can not replace Mbappe, but you have you know the likes of Coleman with Ambenieder and Marcus Turam, forgot to mention him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he's gotten us. You know, he's going to be super exciting to watch as well. But just Griezmann offers so much, uh, not just in terms of attack, but just you know the link up with midfield and his amazing work rate in terms of tracking back as well. Mm. So yeah, Griezmann and Varane for me. And just to add to that, I I agree with Lana's point there. Uh, I think the only thing with Kante, and uh, you know, there's no denying he's he's absolutely vital to to any team because he is he's that good clearly we know that but i think if he was to get a knock or was to be injured i think france would actually change their system i think you'd probably see a, a more rigid kind of 4231 and you'd have like lana said you'd have a uh, a player at the base of that defensive probably in the rabio they i would imagine drop pogba potentially a bit deeper to play as more of a box to box 
and then they would play like a Benzema or a Giroud as a focal point, um, Mbappe and and uh, Griezmann from from behind him with I think a winger would come in. I think you see Coman come into the side if that's what happens. Or yeah, probably change the system. So, and that's what makes them one of the favourites. I think just because there's so many different options and so many different styles that they can. Can adapt, just but, the versatility um, of the players yeah. in general that's so yeah. what's so beautiful about French players they gen- they literally can play in two different uh, yeah. positions it's something that the Spanish always used to be brilliant at and maybe not so much now but in the days the tiki taki era you could literally play any of their midfield four or five in any position and they could alternate you know Iniesta could, could drift wide at times he wouldn't have pace to beat somebody but he would drift out wide and it would free up the space for somebody to run through that middle channel and you know, like, like the Fabregas used to run off, run out of position into the tens, and then next thing you'd see him defensive. They just had that fluid style. France seemed to have taken that on. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, Josh, you've had more than enough time now, so uh, it's your turn. Um, yeah. Your favourites in your dark horse? Oh, I think my favourites. Uh, well, I think the final is going to be played as a group game as well. I think the the final comes out of Group F, and for me, I think Portugal. I, as great as France are, France are also, as we kind of alluded to, it can be their own worst enemy, as well. Um, this France team is only going to lose if they they will it to they will it to um, this Portuguese team. Looking through their squad, for me, it is almost just as as strong. Um, you've, you've said that France have got question marks at centre back and at goal. Um, because of the want of playing Kimpembe, not necessarily. I'm sure people could build a decent um, French uh, centre-back pairing, but I think Portugal similar, but I can see them creating goals um, and creating chances. And we saw from the Euros that Ronaldo isn't the... They don't rely on him. You know, we can name five other players that will grab goals for them. They've got a midfield that they can do things with depending on what's going on in the tournament and yeah i would then go for dark horses as um denmark who i think make the quarterfinals okay yeah, um from that one because yeah i think that group that's gettable they can get out of that um yeah. and then i think the round of 16 if they get lucky they top the group um, with a good result against belgium then uh, they get a third place team True. as yeah. their uh, as their opponent. So I think that could be an interesting one to look at. Um, I think, yeah, I, on England, I'd be surprised if they make it to the quarterfinals. I see what you're doing there. I see, I, I see right through it. I know what you're doing. You can't. Yeah. You can't. I know exactly what you're doing. I get it. Uh, oh, no. Don't pull that bullshit with us. <laughs> uh, the English teams or the English squad has played the most minutes of any squad uh, across this season. Yeah. Across this season, every single player has played a fuck ton of games. We shouldn't um, forget the fact there is a five sub rule for the first time ever in this tournament, isn't mm-hmm. there, as well? So you will yeah. see, I think, a lot of teams pulling the old, uh, well, what we called the Arteta the sort of like let's make a, a drastic change midway through a game and change the whole system. Mm-hmm. So I think I think substitutions are going to be really important. And especially in the latter stages, when you get to games that are really close and might end up in extra time and you can suddenly bring on four new players at the end of the game, mm-hmm. that's going to be massive. So yeah, I can see that. And of course, 
speaking of Portugal, Ronaldo potentially his last big tournament. I mean, he would have you believe otherwise, but you'd, he you'd says imagine. He's retiring in after Qatar. Is he? Okay, mm. well, there you go. I mean, we've, we've heard him say certain things in the past, but I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Okay, um, Lana, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably with me in terms of your favourites, but um, I could be wrong, maybe, and, and have you got Dark Horse as well? Well, my favourites, uh, obviously, France. Um, I put Portugal up there as well. I have this nightmare scenario that they will end up in the final and it will be a repeat of the Euro final just because, you know, my dark horse is the same as Josh, actually. It's Denmark. Mm. And I have a feeling they will probably maybe face off Sweden uh, mm. and it will be like a full-on Scandinavian... Scandinavian derby, yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, which, you know, would be amazing to watch. Uh mm. My money, yeah, it's Denmark, probably Denmark or Sweden, you know, one of the Scandinavian countries, just because yeah. no one expects them to do anything. They're always uh, ruled out, aren't they? And there's always one that yeah. goes Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, I'm sure I'm sure the listeners want to know mine. I'm sure they don't really. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it hard. As much as I like Lana I have worries. I do have concerns. I still think France have. I think it's France's to lose. Basically, I think I think they are rightfully the favourites, but a lot of, a lot will determine where they finish in that group and what momentum they can build and how fast. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that on their day, that strike force can blow away any team in this in this tournament. Um, defensively, is where I worry. Dark horses. Um, it's not really a dark horse because I think a lot of people fancy them. They've come up before in World Cups and people have said this for years and they keep on letting us down. But I just think that this Belgian side is too good to keep failing at this level, even though they've got a, a, a questionable manager in Martinez. I'm not 100% sure I, I quite buy into his methods or his sound bites. There's a little bit Brendan Rodgers about him for me. But I, uh, I just look at that squad and I just think there's too many inform uh talented players and yes again defensively you know any defense that still relies on Alderweireld, Vermaelen and and uh and Vertonghen is probably going to be susceptible but when you can field a forward line of of a, a, an inform and hungry Lukaku as much as I you know still have some question marks about his longevity beyond one good season um De Bruyne we know is is world class in his day it's not just those I think it's, it's the players that people maybe are are not focusing on because most people do focus on the, the names. But you look at someone like Yannick Carrasco, who people forget essentially went to, to China to earn lots of money and then came back to Atletico Madrid and has been fantastic this season. Axel Witzel on his days is a, a world-class midfielder and can run any game. Um, Hans Van uh, Vanneken, who a lot of people won't know a lot about in midfielder in Ferrandelect, who's really very decent on his day. Jeremy Doku, who Lana will know a bit from Ligue 1, he's a young upcoming player who I don't think he'll start, but can make an impact from the bench. Um, and I haven't even mentioned Dries Mertens, who yet again is just one of those players who in Serie A consistently performs for, for Napoli, no matter how good or bad their seasons are. And uh, and that is, of course, ruling out Eden Hazard, who, again, awful season, you know, has had a horrible time of it, but on his day, we know can win a match on his own. So... 
that's I, my that's my case I'm putting forward for Bell. I think it would be remiss. Uh, I, one of your colleagues at uh, ABW and one of your colleagues at French Football would be very aggrieved for you not to mention Leandro Trossard, who starts for Belgium Absolutely. at the moment, based on yeah. um, old Jacket Potato, who's at Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tross, uh, again, Trossard, another player that every time I watch him, I'm impressed. So, yeah, given his legs, him and Carrasco on either side mm. could be uh, something to watch. So, yeah, they they are my they are my tips. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I don't know about you guys, but as as we kind of round off this preview pod, I, I'm kind of excited. You know, I. I I, th- I think we all suffered a bit from um, from pandemic footballerlitis in the past uh, twelve to eighteen months. Uh, I, I th- certainly, from mine and your perspective, Josh. Well, actually, Lana's as well. You know, being Arsenal, Juventus, and Leon followers has not been fun for twelve months, and I'm sure the way the season ended for Tom probably wasn't exactly what he was looking for either as a Man United fan. So we've all had, we've all been through the mill. I think it's fair to Did say. Did they lose the final? <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned that. Maybe we'll I heard. I heard it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah that was rumors. with the penalties, right? Oh, That's I'm so sorry, one, yeah. Tom. Yeah, I, yeah, I generally yeah. don't. I don't mean to rub it in. I just do it with Josh. But like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't know. That explains why my dad has been so grumpy for the past weeks. There you go. Yeah. You see, there you would have helped if we had a goal in for the penalties. <laughs> to be honest, but... Yeah, that's Spain's number one, by the way. So look out for him. I know, I'm, I'm worried for them for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think I think I speak for us all when I say we're we're all pretty excited by this tournament, and um, I think I think I can definitely speak for all of us and our listeners when we say it would be great to see supporters back in stadia. And although they won't be at full capacity, I think we saw towards the end of the season in the leagues that did have supporters back, even a couple of thousand made a massive difference just to the intensity of the games and and the spectacle of them and, and hopefully this tournament goes off without a hitch and I think we all hope that there will not be uh, a massive uh, Covid related um, issue in this tournament hopefully all the clubs uh, all the, the nation's players and, uh, and and individual clubs that are releasing those players get uh, get the rub of the green in terms of the, uh, the illness and, and hopefully we can have a just a festival of football um, as I say it's over what is it? I think it's four weeks isn't it four, four and a half weeks of football we've yeah. got to enjoy so um and copa america starts on the 13th so i'm not going to be sleeping go. at all for a month <laughs> it's going to be all go and and all of this and the mls season will continue as well <laughs> okay maybe it's just me watching that but still we can yeah. have our moments um but yes the season goes on uh, as i say we will be across it and um, we've got a couple of fun guests coming on um we're hopeful to uh, to try and get joel back to talk a bit of spain at some point uh hopefully try and find some some time in the schedule to get john back on um and we, we might even try and convince ross to come out of hiding if uh, if england do well in this tournament i'm leaving that up to josh but uh and we've got a couple of guests as well uh, some of you will know carl from abw uh, for the, those of you that cross over the pods and um, he's going to be coming on to do a bit of work with us as well and uh, a couple of other people in the pipeline so it um, should be a fun time uh, as I say, this pod has been a bit of a bumper one. We will probably do just an hour uh, after each uh, e- each set of games moving forwards. And as usual, if you have got any questions and you want to shoot them our way, probably the easiest thing is just to tweet us individually because uh, you'll, you'll be able to find our Twitter handles on the YouTube video, I'm sure, when we put this one up. Um, but uh, yeah, you can you can tweet us there um, or you can tweet the ABW account, which of course, thank you to Danny and everyone at ABW for hosting us on this platform because it makes life a whole lot easier than uh, Josh and myself having to run websites and RSS feeds and all of that technical shit that I don't understand. So thank you very much to Danny for, for allowing us onto this platform. Uh, so yes, 
that is it for our Euro preview. Uh, thank you very, very much for tuning in if you did. And uh, as we depart ahead of the Euros, I do just want to say a massive thank you to all of you that reached out after our comeback pod, which seemed like ever, ever ago now. But when we did that, uh, that sort of one-off Do You Still Like Us pod, we got a really good uh, download um, rate. We got loads of really positive feedback, lots of listens. And uh, that's essentially what twisted my arm to uh to give up my evenings for the euros and uh, and continue with this so thank you very much so i'm going to stop rambling uh lana thank you for coming back much appreciated hopefully we'll see your your uh your your less scarred face for the next one if you can heal up from your yes, attacks and covers. you will i will be sporting my zidane shirt for good luck Splendid. My my French shirt is in is in the mail. I'm reliably informed it should be with me tomorrow. So I went with the home in the end because I was worried about getting the white one dirty. Uh, <laughs> Tom, thank you very much for coming on, sir. And uh, I would wish England all the best, but I'd be lying if I said I would actually want to do that. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm awaiting for the inevitable disappointment of a first round knockout <laughs> if we're lucky. So <laughs> thank you for having me again. You're very welcome. And uh, and Josh. Uh, I'm looking forward to you uh, giving us all the Ukraine updates as they uh, massacre the rest of Europe on their way to a triumphant final with a load of players that nobody's actually ever heard of. And uh, Andrei Shevchenko lifts the trophy aloft. So uh, I'm relying on you for that. Uh, I mean, I can't wait. Uh, anyone who's more exciting to watch than England uh, at the moment will be a benefit. Good stuff. So by the end of this pod, you'll be talking with a Scottish accent, I'm sure. So we'll <laughs> Great stuff. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it as my cat walks in front of the camera. Always professional. And a big shout out to the main road that I live on. Uh, if you've heard various <laughs> vehicles driving past throughout this podcast, I do apologise. It's quite hot in the UK, so I've got the window open. Lesson learned. I shall be closing that for the next pod. So uh, until next time, enjoy your opening Euros games. Uh, do let us know if you want us to cover anything or any players or anything hipster orientated. Do let us know and we'll try and work that in. But uh, until those first games are over, uh, keep your beard strong. Any guys is trendy. I forgot that last time. Not this time, dear listeners. We'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>